This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Good morning and welcome to the show. It's a very special edition of Moose Talks after a week off as we only have one guest today. Lilia Hansen was elected to be the mayor of Fort St. John just about a year ago Sunday. And so we're here to talk a bit about the year that was and to get her take on some local issues affecting you. So I'm very happy to say we're joined now by the mayor of Fort St. John, Lilia Hansen. Lilia, welcome to Moose Talks. Good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much for taking some time uh, to talk to us for a whole half hour today, uh, kind of about everything going on. Well, as I said, it's been a year since you were elected. You've had a, a year on the job. Just in general, uh, you know, tell me a bit about what the year has been like for you and, and, and even just the learning curve coming from being a counselor to kind of shifting over to being the mayor and the chair of council meetings and whatnot. Definitely. The year has flown by. Like you, We look back to see what we've accomplished, what were our goals, uh, what's yet to, to come ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'm really pleased. Council's working strongly together. Uh, it's, it's a good, cohesive group. And I think that's what's making my job a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, being a councillor previously, uh, came in by election in 2017. Uh, you do get an experience. Uh, we have acting mayor roles uh, for two months each year where you get a small taste of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can definitely say, and I always knew that the past mayor was extremely busy. Uh, when you're actually in the mayor's seat, uh, hands down, uh, it takes the team, the team at City Hall, the team of your fellow councillors to do the job that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely uh you know, they say, never say you're over busy. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I like the challenges. And that was one thing that brought me to uh, run for mayor is I always like a new challenge. And I love my community. And I, I know the potential that's there. Uh, we, I think we hit it out of the ballpark. And we punch above our weight hands down mm-hmm. with what we have for our size of our community. And I'm just pleased to be part of it. Wonderful. Well, let's get right to some things you've been doing uh, as mayor, especially lately. Uh, UCBM was uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, something like that. Um, I thought, first of all, I'd love to hear your thoughts attending that. You've attended as a counselor before, correct? How is it different for you now as the mayor of Fort St. John, as sort of the, the main public face of the city, as opposed to you know, what it was like when you were a counselor attending with the mayor at the time or whatever it happened to be? It was a pleasure. We were at Union of BC Municipalities Conference down in Vancouver this year is where it was held. And I'd say one of the largest difference is you definitely uh, a lot more uh, background work, knowing what your briefing notes are, uh, working with your council and your staff to make sure that your 15 minutes when you're face to face with those ministers, you're making the most out of it. Uh, it's always, I love having dialogues and conversations and hearing what other communities, what their concerns are about. So we also have policy and resolution sessions. Yeah. And that gives you a good pulse of what's going on through the rest of the province and what the similarities are. When, uh, as mayor, you're the one that 
your their face and the voice for the community. So I think it's really important uh, before each meeting, uh, you get together with your fellow councillors that were there. Really pleased we had a, a strong attendance by council mm-hmm. there, and we also had two fellow councillors that. Uh, had full confidence they're looking after Fort St. John while while we were away but we need to make sure that we're speaking with one voice and that is the role of the mayor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well uh, it's part of your attendance at UCBM you know as you mentioned the resolutions you could put forward um, there were two that uh, Fort St. John had tell us a bit about them for people don't know and and you know I think they both passed and so that means mm-hmm. the UCBM is going to start advocating for Uh, these things to happen with the provincial government, correct? Yeah, there's a lot of power in that voice because they represent municipalities across British Mm -hmm. Columbia. So we actually had three resolutions, uh, two that went forward to the floor and passed. The third one, it was added in to a group resolution. I see. Uh, So the first one uh, I can talk about are latecomer fees. And latecomer fees, it's something that should be something so simple to be changed and to be added for transparency. Mm-hmm. When somebody makes a purchase, whether it's of a home or a lot, uh, there's often fees, well, not often, but there are times when there's fees on there that a new purchaser wouldn't be aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of legacy gravel roads yeah. still to uh to pave and we've done a great job like the amount of paving we've done over the years is uh to be commended Uh, when somebody has a property though on that street and we come and pave we have to have uh we have to have the majority of the property owners on that street to prove it to start with Mm -hmm. and then those costs are spread out over 20 years Mm -hmm. uh, for those homeowners and we want to make sure when somebody's buying a property, they know about that. Or if they're buying a, a lot that has been developed by a land developer, that developer has put in a significant financial investment to get services to, mm-hmm. that, la- to that land. And whoever comes after, if it's within 20 years, then that new purchaser would pay that back to the developer. I see. Uh, but we want to make sure, you know, the less surprises when you're buying something is a good thing because we want to make sure when someone's making that financial investment, they know what is the true cost of that. Mm-hmm. And as well, uh, and this was interesting, and this I learned while down at uh, Union of BC Municipalities Conference, when it comes to archaeological sites, those are not registered directly on the land title. Yeah. So when somebody is doing a search, it doesn't show. And and I'm going, well, that's crazy. Like, why wouldn't you do that? And they're, they're saying they do that out of an abundance of safety, out mm-hmm. of caution, because there are some people that will then do a search, find out where those archaeological sites are, and then go in and start digging where they, they shouldn't be. I see. Okay. And that has caused a problem. In uh, the lower mainland, I believe it was around the Okanagan area, and mm-hmm. there's a there's a case going on right now where a family bought land and they were planning to farm on it and they contacted BC Hydro to find out that no, they couldn't get services hooked up and this is why. And now this this family, they're, they're horrified. They're mm-hmm. like, for multiple reasons. Uh, for one, um, it's my understanding that they're First Nations, so they would never be disrespectful to the land. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they strongly believe in, in the... Uh, land and not disturbing 
you know, what's buried there. Yeah. Like it's right to their core. And then there's their financial investment. You know, what about for their family? Like they, they bought this land. Now, how do you sell it? How do mm-hmm. you sell it to the next person if you can't develop on it? Mm-hmm. So the idea was that resolution was can the government make it, as you said, more transparent so that you can search the title and see, oh, I'm going to be paying these latecomer fees because of the paying, paving, for example. Yeah. And how do we deal with this so that they know this is an archaeological yeah. kind of Yeah, because most yeah. people, they're, you know, if they're <clears throat> buying a house or they're buying property. They're not, their first stop is not always coming to City Hall to go, yeah. hey, can you tell me, you know, what's there that I should know about? Mm-hmm. And, and even when it comes to uh, land titles, you as a purchaser, it's not an automatic, like if you're, if you're looking to purchase, uh, that information I was told cannot just be simply disclosed. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few steps that the, the current landowner has to be involved in to disclose that information. Okay. Um, let's talk community safety. Cause I think, uh, I mean, this has been a big topic all year long. It kind of touches on everything really we're talking about today. Agreed. Um, I mean, <sighs> The perception, and I want to be careful how I say this, but the perception that there's more crime has certainly been something that's discussed widely on Facebook pages around the community. People have been talking about it a lot more. We've seen more homeless people in Fort St. John this year, and the homeless count suggested there is more than there was the last time it was. I just wanted your take on that perception that there is more crime and how residents and businesses are expecting the city to address it when it's obviously a multi-jurisdictional problem that goes to the provincial government and even the federal government in some instances. Agreed. Yeah, no, that was well explained. Uh, so this has, um, it touches on multiple things. It touches on health care, mental health, uh, RCMP, all those pieces have to come together uh, with our social programs on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, When it comes to, uh, so to address right away, uh, when it comes to crime stats, uh, we have... uh, we have frequent meetings with Inspector Tony Hansen yeah. from our local RCMP detachment, and, and we look at those trends. Things were a lot quieter. Like there's, a, you can see a significant decrease during when we were dealing with COVID, and now that people are, you know, that's hopefully we're moving past that, and people are more active and out there, and those numbers are coming up again. But the numbers are about level to where we were uh, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. but what it comes down to, it's people's perception. I can, we can talk about stats all we want. It's how safe do people feel when they're in our community or walking around? Uh, we have a new uh, downtown clinic that's being built. They're doing yeah. renovations. It's in our downtown core. So we have meetings with Northern Health. As a municipality, our role is for advocacy. And it's, it's fighting for our residents what are their priorities what are their concerns we have to be their voice i've asked if we could have an ambassador program is this something that northern health can uh you know as part of their capital project costs can they put some money aside for ambassador program that would have more eyes in the in the downtown core whether it's for added security let's say at the end of the evening uh, a business is having an issue can yeah. they call somebody who's close at hand who can be there within moments to to help with a situation just to perhaps de-escalate mm-hmm. or what about at the end of the night when somebody has to walk to their vehicle mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the vehicle or a lot of the businesses on main street they have parking on the back side like for instance over towards the cultural center 
I think it'd be great. I would love to uh, have the something that we can do to work together where pick up the phone to say, hey, I'm I'm closing up. I'm heading to my vehicle. Would you mind swinging around to the back parking lot to make sure I, I got into my vehicle okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you just need that extra set of eyes. And then as well, uh, what about uh, cleanliness of the, the downtown yeah. uh, area? For our businesses, they invest a lot of money. Like that is their blood, sweat, and tears. And we want to make sure that our residents, so it's, two-pronged we have to think about the businesses but our residents as well do they feel safe and confident when they're in our downtown area is it clean and inviting Uh so this is something that i would like to see that i think it's doable it's it's a a doable pilot project we could ask for let's try it for six or eight months let's try and help alleviate some of the concerns that businesses are having and the residences same with when it came down to open use of, of drugs in our yeah. parks and playgrounds, municipalities were going, well, if we don't allow drinking or smoking in our parks and playgrounds, why is this being allowed? Yeah. So about a week before the Union of BC uh, Municipalities Conference, the provincial government did come out to say that they are uh, re-looking at that. They're yeah. pivoting. They're going to come up with some new legislation. But that took a, a lot of municipalities going, we don't want to re-stigmatize people, but we have to think about all of our residents, all of their safety. All right. Well, we're talking with the mayor of Fort St. John, Lilia Hansen. We'll be more, uh, rather, we'll be right back after this with more on Moose Talks. Welcome back to the show. Today we're talking with the mayor of Fort St. John, uh, Lilia Hansen. Uh, you just mentioned there's one thing you wanted to add to kind of what we were just talking about. I believe. I believe that's yes. what you said. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing like ask, asking an elected official a question and they just kind of sidestep. And it's like, <laughs> did she do that on purpose? Or <laughs> uh, One of our other resolutions we brought forward was... Uh, uh, at the UCBM conference yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. Thank you. And it has to do with an immigration uh, program. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Fort St. John, what we're hearing from some of our businesses in the hospitality and service sector is they're losing a lot of workers to a neighboring community in Grand Prairie. In Grand Prairie, they have a pilot project. It's called the Rural Advantage Program. And it helps immigrants uh, obtain their permanent residency faster. They get more points. And so this was something that we wanted to bring forward as a possible suggestion. And uh, there was interest. So I'm really glad, you know, when you see the minister going, can we do this? Like when they turn to their staff, then, you know, you've really hit on something positive. Mm -hmm. And we made a suggestion to say, you know, what about communities throughout British Columbia that have a population of 30,000 and under? How can we help distribute uh, immigration throughout our province? Yeah. Um, and and help our businesses at the same time. Uh, my parents are from uh, different countries, and I have to say, I would gladly welcome uh, more immigration to our area. Yeah, uh, this is a beautiful place to raise families, and. Even though sometimes there are challenges with languages, uh, anyone who's spoken with my mother knows she still has quite the accent and, <laughs> and quite the way of phrasing words. Um, but this is a very welcoming community, and it's a great place to to raise kids. We have people that have come here through Northern Lights College uh, for courses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 
from different countries and then they stay and they get jobs and before you know it many of them have started businesses like they're they're entrepreneurs at heart and hardworking, and that has the respect of the peace region the people in the north we have a getter done attitude and if you're willing to work you know then we want you here all right. I want to talk a bit about ride sharing now, because, again, this has also been in the news lots this year. Um, there's current cab companies want to raise rates. That just came out recently. Uh, there's some new companies entering the market in terms of ride sharing, companies expanding. Um, and this is all to sort of deal with what citizens have been saying for some time, is that it's hard to get a cab when everyone's looking for a cab at those kind of busy times. Um, I just wanted your take on this. It seems like things are going to get better on paper with ride sharing perhaps coming here, more cabs being available. Uh, is this all a step forward in the right direction, you think? What we're hearing, uh, residents, you don't mind paying for service if you get it yeah. and when you need it. And it has to be timely. And it also affects us when we have people that are visiting the community or even our agency nurses, for instance. How do we get people to work or how do we get you know kids to where they have to go? Sometimes yeah. you need to catch a cab. Uh, I don't think the price of the cabs of the ride is an issue, and we definitely understand the the cost, supply chain, uh, prices are going up. So, you know, I don't have an issue with the prices of the cabs going up. We need reliability, yeah. and we need the numbers. And that could also be about uh, labor, not mm-hmm. having enough employees in the area. So we're looking at trying to encourage alternate options so that we have enough uh, transportation in the area. Uh, we do have some new cab companies, and I'm, I'm totally tickled that uh, a smaller cab company, they reached out to transportation. They have another plate, you know, and there's hurdles to go through that. They need to get the vehicle. They have to get inspected. They need to get the driver. But we're one step closer to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we reached out to Uber and some of these other companies to go, you know, hey, we're just investigating, you know, what would be involved? What are the steps? Uh, there is interest. Uh, we did meet with Uber when we were down in Vancouver. I can tell you we were we were up at, you know, before the sun and working till, you know, way, way after the sun went down. But it's having those conversations to say, you know, in the north, we do have a need. And sometimes when uh, a large company, they're looking for markets, they might be more uh, focus centric to the lower mainland. And we're like, hey, there's people up here who need rides. So come check us out. Mm-hmm. Do you see, um, tra- uh, I guess, bus transit as sort of maybe one of the prongs that could be? Because I know there's a, I believe there's a survey open right now that BC yes. Transit is conducting in Fort St. John. Is that another sort of thing you might look at and say, maybe we can improve bus service as a way of alleviating some of the pressure and and or expanding it even into the evening hours? I'm glad you brought up about the survey. I think it's important that we hear from the residents, where do you need the service? And I cannot stress this enough. When we have an open house or we have surveys, pop-up events, come talk to us. It's the people who take that time that make the decisions. I mean, we, we listen to what the residents want and the information we gather. That is what influences and marks our course for things. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the, our current bus service, definitely it's well used for getting our kids to school. In the mornings, it is packed. Uh, during the day, you know, ridership, we have to make sure that we have the bus where we need it. We also have to make sure that we can afford it. Mm-hmm. Uh, staff is looking at different options. You know, how do we make them, how do we get the most bang for our buck out of our dollar? 
Okay. And we're running out of time, believe it or not. So I can't I, believe it's half an hour. <laughs> I was seriously going, OMG, what are we going to talk about? So one last question I want to make sure I ask you about. It's on the topic of reconciliation. I know uh, the tra- uh, treaty land sharing uh, situation with the PRRD uh, was unfortunate, and, and that seemed to cause a bit of a rift between you know the PRRD and, and local First Nations. And it... In my perception, anyway, the city seemed quiet around the National Day of uh, Truth and Reconciliation. I just wanted your take on kind of the path forward and and what you see, uh, you and and council and even the city as uh, what role you take in in kind of reconciliation in general. And again, with kind of our local First Nations neighbors that we have so many interactions with. Yeah, I think we could have a whole conversation and we need we need another 30 minutes on this. I think what speaks more loudly is what are your actions? Your your actions show louder than words. Yeah. So what are we doing? Uh, we have. A, I'm really pleased with our collaborative working relationships with our area First Nation communities. We and I have to give full kudos to staff on both sides. We have an urban reserve in Fort St. John, Notche mm-hmm. Commons, and that's working with Doig River First Nations. Uh, we're working with other First Nations as well for MOUs for service level agreements. And I think that their their interest and willingness to have an urban reserve in our area and how we've been able to advance this mm-hmm. uh, and it's for this will strengthen our both communities. And we're, we're individual, different governance, uh, having those service level agreements. Uh, nothing, nothing comes for free. Yeah. The roads still have to be plowed. There's still emergency services that are needed. Uh, they will be paying towards those as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, when it comes to truth and reconciliation, it's having respectful dialogues. Uh, I would like to touch on, I don't know how much time I have, but when it comes to the Peace River Regional District, when it came to the land sharing uh, network, there was information that could have been better shared, Mm -hmm. hands down. It was a voluntary program and, and residents have questions. And I think that when you don't answer those questions in a timely manner, it gets concerns up because if someone isn't saying something, there's always going, okay, why are you leaving that out? And in our area, so we were talking about before, you know, uh, different roles. So before we went on air, you know, what did I do in my past life before wearing the mayor's hat? When I was with Ministry of Environment with um, Conservation Officer Service, I was a gal people would call if there was an LEH hunt on elk to go, what what area landowners is allowing hunting? So in in the Peace Region, we... We do have a good connection. If somebody wants access to land, there's nothing like a face-to-face conversation or through a connection to say, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking to harvest, you know, whether it's, it's berries or whether it's an animal. Who do you know that, you know, you can connect me to? And it's those direct um, handoffs, those mm-hmm. warm introductions that make a difference. So I think in our area, people felt, well, we're already doing it now. Um, that said, really, it's communication. Uh, yeah. It was a voluntary program. Uh, we had Zion uh, Strategies come talk to the, the rural directors is where it started. Um, and then the rural directors brought it forward to the, the whole board to say, hey, we want to let you know this is a program that is being started in Saskatchewan, and they're looking to see how it would fit yeah. in, in the peace region. So it was more for information. Uh, there was a request from the regional district for a letter of support. And, and I believe the reason for that was 
A, to acknowledge that we've heard about it. I think it's important as elected officials that we have we have to know a little bit of everything that's going on so that when somebody comes up to us and, and they're like, can you tell me more about this? We can go, oh yeah, this is what I heard and, and this is who I can connect you to. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased to see we also had the powwow down in the district of Taylor mm-hmm. and that was really well attended. Uh, Joy Griver had a, a community uh, world cafe recently. We went out there with, with a fellow counselor and had a look at their new water treatment plant. And when we have those face-to-face discussions, we also find sometimes a common need uh, when it comes to a a water treatment plant operator. Uh, Is there more training that we need in the Peace Region? And you start talking to one person, then you find out, well, you know what, maybe our neighboring communities also have that same need. Uh So when we meet with, whether it's Northern Lakes College, or we had a meeting this week with the University of Northern BC to say, what can we do to have this training here in the North? Uh-huh. And that came out of, you know, a simple cup of coffee and a drive out to one of our, our neighboring First Nation communities. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there uh, for today. But Mayor Hansen, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, thank you for being on Moose Talks, hopefully one of many times to come forward. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you for your time. All right, that's the Mayor of Fort St. John, Lilia Hansen, joining us on Moose Talks. My thanks to Mayor Hansen for joining us today. If you'd like to hear this episode again, or if you'd like to hear an old episode of Moose Talks, you make sure to check out the energeticcity.ca podcast page. You'll find past podcast versions of the show there, along with episodes of Secrets of the North, Before the Peace, and Voices of the Peace, archived for your listening pleasure. They're all also available on the 100.1 Moose FM app, which is 100.1% free for you to download now on the Google app, or uh, rather Google Play or Apple App Store. Take some time to listen to some excellently locally produced podcasts today, again, at energeticcity.ca slash podcast. Well, that's our show for today. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. Adam Rayburn's behind the camera today. Thanks to him. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.